First off, auto pay is a bad idea on so many levels. What? For your bills. What? Lori, people will say absolutely not. Lori. I know. I know. I know. But when, especially when it comes to um, bills that are, that fluctuate. So you may set up like an auto draft for a bill that doesn't come out every month. It might, it might just get charged to your account whenever it gets charged to your account then it automatically runs payment. You have no way of tracking when, how much, what was it for? Did they actually provide the right thing? The amount of times my customers get charged for things that weren't delivered, that were broken, that were returned is astounding. I mean, they would be out easily a hundred grand a year in items that were not received or the wrong item or returned or whatever the case is. Today, I had the privilege of talking with Lori Spillane. She helps businesses go from six figures to seven figures based on their finances and their operating systems and how she helps them to tweak and fix and find money to improve their processes. Lori also talks about some very controversial concepts in the episode today that you are not going to want to miss because they can make a difference in your coaching business or your business in general because of the approach. And so it's a great interview. Can't wait for you to hear it. Let's get into it. Thank you, Lori, for being here and welcome to another episode of the Coach Up Podcast. I am talking with Lori Spillane. Super excited because you are a coach, Lori, that does something that I think a lot of coaches either they dream about it far, far away or they're a little closer and they can see the finish line, but they need help getting there, which is you take coaches and business owners from six figures to seven figures, which is exciting, getting that extra comma. <laughs> and so... Lori, I want you to want to say welcome, but I want you to tell everybody who you are and specifically what you do. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So I am Lori Spillane. I am a an intuitive money CEO business mentor. I really focus on helping businesses scale from mid, mid six figures up to seven figures. It's something I've been doing for over 11 years now. I actually started as a bookkeeper with a six weeks online certificate. <laughs> and I have built my business off of that. Um, so I've worked with so many different types of businesses, mainly service, but some also have a heavy product base. Um, so anything from salons, construction, water quality. I recently had a client who makes guitars and guitar straps for A-list celebrities. I've worked with, <laughs> I've worked with a, a gambit of people. So it's been absolutely um, incredible, exciting. Um, I came into the online space about three years ago, and that really opened doors to work with people outside of the U.S. I've worked with clients in Australia and Bali and the U.K. So it's been amazing to kind of... <laughs> open, you know, and stretch the horizons a little bit, but yeah, that's me. Wow. Okay. So there's a few things in there. One, 
you are international. Did that open up three years ago with the online portion added or? Yeah, it did. It was, it was a matter of, um, really seeing people struggle with the the money side of their business. I mean, everyone still to this day, you would think that it would be so much less taboo to talk about money. But I think because the online space especially focuses so much, so heavily on money wins, that it then scares people off from sharing what they're struggling with money-wise. And so that was a real frustration for me because I feel like no business is ever really going to be successful in the long term if they don't have a solid handle on their money, on their finances, how money works in their business and how they can not just make more of it, but manage what they have um, in a way that's going to continue to grow. And so that was really important to me to be able to uh, empower women, you know, even not in the U.S. to really start to find ways to understand their their money and their finances. So you help on the money side growing from six figures to seven figures, or do you do look at the entirety of the business? So I look at the entirety of the business, but I don't focus so much on um, offers. I think most business coaches focus on offers and marketing and building the actual product or service that it is that you're providing. I do the opposite. I work on the back end of the business. So I'm creating operations and systems and helping you build a team so that you can create a lot more efficiency in your business, which efficiency means more time. Time equals money and money ends up allowing you freedom. So it's not the only thing that allows you freedom, but it does allow you freedom. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing that you hear a lot about right now is time freedom. Um, and that comes if if you're talking about teams, for example, when you can delegate because you can actually pay people to do jobs that you were previously doing that is not in your wheelhouse to do. It's not your strength. It takes you three hours to do what somebody else can do in 30 minutes. And you can pay them to do that. It gets done. It's efficient raise up your time, time freedom, and you can generate more money. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so opened up at 11 years ago. When did you hit that illustrious six-figure mark in your business? I would say about five years in. Um, mm-hmm. I, I started my business when my now oldest daughter, who's 12, was nine months old. So I was at home with a newborn who had many health issues. And then she ended up getting diagnosed on the autism spectrum. So there was a lot of therapies involved. And uh, my time was very much consumed um, with that. And then still trying to grow this business on the side. So I wasn't able to really focus on it, but I did slowly grow it. And what was great was it started with one Craigslist ad. And I got a client from that one Craigslist ad and he referred me to two people who referred me to other people. And I grew strictly from word of mouth. Okay. That is it's still one of the best ways to grow, but that is almost unheard of to grow mostly from referrals nowadays. Yeah, it's, I know because it's, it just seems like it's most markets feel so saturated uh, especially with 
after COVID, I feel like so many people quit their jobs and decided to just go for it and, you know, freelance or start their own business. And so there is definitely a saturation in every type of market. I think um, what it comes down to is really the quality mm-hmm. of the work and um, transparency, which I feel like, especially when you're looking at money and the back end, that backbone of your business, uh, transparency is a must. But I feel like it's not, um, I don't want to say it's not common, but it's not valued enough by by many people. By the business owners, you mean? Or by who? No, no, by service providers. What do you mean? I mean that they don't, they're not willing to tell the full truth to a business owner for fear of retaliation in some way, whether it, they lose the client, they lose the job. So me looking at a business owner saying, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be spending that. You're overspending on this area. Quit, knock it off. Give me the credit card. I'm taking it away from you. (laughs) (laughs) Most people probably wouldn't do that, but that's what needs to be done. And so maybe transparency isn't quite the word, but it's, you have to be willing to be sometimes brutally honest with, with the clients. And yeah, you're going to upset them um in the moment but if they value you and your work and your opinion your professional opinion then they will come back around and they will say okay I did need to hear that I get it you know finances is one of those things that many people are not comfortable with many people don't want to face that's why there are challenges in the finances but it's one of those things that cut and dry there's no relative truth. You know, in today's society, we like to talk about, well, this is my truth. Okay. I don't agree with that statement, period. There's reality and then there's not. But nonetheless, in finances, (laughs) there's no, oh, this $7,000 charge, it's not really like $7,000. No, that's the amount that you're going to owe somebody. (laughs) They're going to be expecting the money and you have spent it. You can't just ignore this or make it warm and fuzzy. So I would hope people want, transparency is a perfect word, transparency in their finances, because then how else do you face the reality to fix the problem? Although I do find too, and I, and even just very recently, I have found clients I've been working with who maybe aren't trying to be deceptive, but they are not transparent in the full extent of their finances. Um, you know, they just, well, you know, I have this, this, and this, and, you know, those two bank accounts turn out to be 31. You said you had a client that that happened. (laughs) And we have a problem here. (laughs) You just forgot the other 29. You just just forgot the other 29. No, there was, I mean, there was every explanation under the moon that I got for it. And and at the end of the day, I'm like, no, <laughs> just <laughs> no. And I mean, that, that client, you know what? That was not, not a good client. I called him out. He did not like that. 
Mm. That was fine. That's fine. If he doesn't like it and he's not ready to hear it, I'm not ready to work with him. Yep. Um, and so, you know, that happens and that's, that's entirely fine. Um, he made his bed and now he's lying in it. Right. And like you said, with any, I think it's important for coaches, any business, but since we're talking to coaches, if there's a client who does not fit with you as a coach, it's not going to be a good relationship. It's not going to have the desired effect. You're setting yourself up for disappointment for yourself, for the client, for horrible review, for no referrals, like just in the relationship. There's somebody out there who can work with some with that person, but just own if it's not you. And that's okay. I think that's a huge lesson. And honestly, that was a huge lesson that I feel like I've learned many times over because I didn't want to get the bigger lesson of it. Um, this time I finally did, but you know, I, I was trying to help this person out and do them a favor. And I just kept doing favor after favor after favor. And, um, they were not willing to return sort of the, the appreciation of all the favors and, um, you know, you just have to, you cut your losses and you learn from that experience and say, you know what, this was not the right client for me. And this is why, and I need to now know not to do that again. If I see somebody that has similar tendencies, Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw a red flag up. Yeah. I'm curious. Okay. How did you find, so you take this client, you take this client on, they share with you, I have two (laughs) accounts. How did you find that they had 31? Well, the client had not filed taxes in five years and did not have any um, bookkeeping done for five years. So I had to go back five years and start going through bank statements. And I would see in the bank statements, a payment to this credit card, a payment to that credit card, a payment to this loan, a payment to that loan, a payment to this other bank account through PayPal and a payment to just, and I'm, what is this? What is this? And there was a lot of confusion because I would be told it's a personal credit card. What that says to me is you're using business funds to pay personal expenses. Mm-hmm. So that's an owner's draw. What the client meant was that, and it took me three years of going through statements and all of that to figure out that what he meant was it is a personal card because it's under his personal name and not the business name, but he uses it only for business expenses. So y'all are hearing a pause because I'm speechless. But but let me let me not be speechless. Lori, can you explain why that would be a problem? Because some people may not know. <laughs> well, first off, okay, so as a sole proprietor, if you are an LLC, you can apply for a credit card under your business. Um as a sole proprietor, when you're running under your social security number, you use you end up having to get personal cards. When you start mixing personal and business, it gets it gets messy and it also sends a ginormous red flag to the IRS of like, 
ooh, we're commingling. What's going on here? Is there something more I need to look at? And so first off, it caused issues where I was assuming there was not transactions happening that were business expenses because I was told it's a personal card. So I was not actually claiming all of those expenses. So his tax liability was higher. Going back and having finding out that they're actually credit cards used within the business, I now have to go and look at statements, monthly statements for every single one of those credit cards. And this is what I had to explain to him is that we went from one bank statement and a PayPal credit card or loan to 31 because when you have a loan, I have to look at the activity on that loan, the payments you've made on that loan, how much went towards interest, how much went towards principal, because when you pay principal, it is doesn't come off your bottom line, where if you pay interest, it does come off your bottom line. So that has to be booked appropriately. I have to look at all your credit card statements and figure out you know, was this a personal expense? Was this a business expense? What kind of business expense was it? Was it a large purchase that should be considered an asset or is it just a an office supply expense? Um, and then it turned out again that, you know, checks were being written and two checks a month were being written that said rent on them. But without doing more digging, those were both claimed as rent for the business when really it turns out one was rent for the business and one was rent for the apartment. Hey. Okay. So communication yes. is incredibly important. And I feel like that's where this is where businesses and you know, business owners and coaches and CEOs need to be so incredibly careful because nine times out of ten, questions don't get asked for details. So I had another client that came to me. She said, Hey, my bookkeeper just finished the books. She sent me a cash flow report and I'm not quite sure I understand how to read it. Can you tell me how to read it? So I'm going over it with her and I'm like, something about this is not matching. It's, it's not adding up to me. Um, and eventually after an hour chat, she said, well, why don't you take a look at my books? There were so many things that so many assumptions made on the part of the bookkeeper based on the little that she knew of this business. So expenses were booked as owner's draws when they were not. For instance, this person is a brand, uh, a brand strategist. And so they will buy um, wardrobe items for a photograph session for a client. Well, those were just assumed to be owner's straws of clothing that she bought for her personal use. Gotcha. And they weren't expensed. Another thing is she assumed, okay, she's a brand strategist. She does web design. She's all like working from home. She doesn't get to take a car deduction. Not true. She drives to venues all the time. She meets with photographers. She meets with people who are local. She, all of this, she had run it by her CPA. Her CPA said, absolutely, we can take a car deduction. The bookkeeper refused to book it. 
the bookkeeper refused. She's like, you're an online business owner. You don't get to take the car deduction. And I'm like, oh my God, that's not yours to decide. So there are just, you have to be so careful with, and the thing is, is the business owner had no idea. And that's where the problem lies. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is an issue with bookkeepers making assumptions, but the business owner, the CEO should absolutely 100% have a solid understanding of their finances so that they can catch things like that. Gotcha. Had she not called and asked me the basic question of how do I read this cash flow statement, she would have ended up paying about $25,000 more in taxes. That is horrible and good that you caught it. (laughs) But my question is, why was she coming to you and the bookkeeper was the one who created the cash flow statement or was it her CPA? Nope, it was the bookkeeper that sent over the cash flow statement to then hand off to the CPA. Okay. Um, You know, that's a good question. I'm not 100% sure if she didn't, she felt more comfortable asking me. Um, how to read it than asking the bookkeeper. I know she hadn't been super thrilled with the communication between the bookkeeper and herself. Um, I never really asked why she chose to come to me, um, but I'm glad she did. Right. Um, but those are those are just a few really good reasons to have a real true understanding of your finances and be very careful who you hire and business owners making the assumption that they, it's such a fine line because you hire somebody and you want to trust and you need to relinquish control to a certain extent, but there is nothing wrong with asking questions. It's one thing to say, no, you need to do this my way. And it's another thing to say, Okay, tell me a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which again is important because it's their business, their finances. Yeah. Exactly. At the end of the day, it is your business. It is your money. It is your finances. It is your responsibility and yours alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get off of this story of the 31 accounts in just a minute. Not having filed taxes for five years, how bad or not as bad as one may think was that? I mean, there's definitely going to be, once the the taxes are filed and they see, you know, the amount that he owed in taxes, there will then be penalties and interest for every, not just year, but every month he's late. So the IRS will assess a penalty and it that the balance that he owes is accruing interest every month that he's late. Gotcha. Um, and so, I mean, never, ever a good idea. Not to mention, once you're red flagged by the IRS. They just keep the red flag. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You just don't want to go down that route. That completely makes sense. Okay, so you then, you look at a business's finances with them, then help them figure out operating systems that need to improve 
whether they need teams. So can you talk a little bit about the operating, when you say operating systems, how how do you look at that and coach a business owner through what they may need to change or improve? Yeah. So I think a lot of it is, you know, at that six-figure level that these businesses are at when they come to me, they're still doing a significant amount of the work themselves. They have a team that they've hired, but they don't know how to delegate and what to delegate. And so there's still sort of this micromanaging going on. Um, So for instance, I had a client who I still work with today. I've been working with them since 2017. Um, And they had one office manager and then staff that worked in the field for, for the services that they provide. And the office manager um, was making something that should take five minutes into a 30 minute process. And she had it in her head that The rule is it had to be this way. So it was creating a lot of inefficiency. There was also sort of this point that the business reached where QuickBooks itself wasn't enough to maintain their client base, their customer base, along with all of their inventory and the services that they provided. They needed a call system that was linked to everything. And, you know, one place that their techs that are out in the field could log into, see what the customer called for, provide the service, provide, you know, the, whatever products it was that they needed to re- use or replace or provide, and then bill that customer and take payment on site and then process it when it got back to the office. And so it was, how do we do this in the most efficient way possible? And so we actually were able to find a a software that is meant for the type of business that they are. And we, I actually sat down with the office manager and the, the, um, the software, the, the person that was assigned to us from the software. And we migrated all of the information over from QuickBooks to this software and they sync seamlessly. So we can still, so we actually still read like our accounts receivable through QuickBooks, but we receive the payment in the other software and then it syncs. So we're able, it's almost like a double, um, it's like a double, what is the word I'm looking for? Where it just, it's, it's checks and balances for both because there will be times where it says, well, the customer paid in the software, but it's showing unpaid in QuickBooks or vice versa, or the amounts are different. And so it, it kind of is a great reminder of, okay, why is this, why is this happening? Okay, let's look at it. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way to find little problems before they become bigger problems. And um, it also allowed us to create, at the time QuickBooks didn't have subscriptions. So we were able to create subscriptions. Um, so it's, that has created a lot of efficiency as well as then creating a process in the office of not just receiving payments from customers, but also paying bills because 
First off, auto pay is a bad idea on so many levels. What? For your bills. What? Lori, people will say absolutely not. Lori. I know. I know. I know. But when, especially when it comes to um, bills that are, that fluctuate. So you may set up like an auto draft for a bill that doesn't come out every month. It might, it might just get charged to your account whenever it gets charged to your account, then it automatically runs payment. You have no way of tracking when, how much, what was it for? Did they actually provide the right thing? The amount of times my customers get charged for things that weren't delivered, that were broken, that were returned is astounding. I mean, they would be out easily a hundred grand a year in items that were not received or the wrong item or returned or whatever the case is. Have they not had a system of the person gets it off the truck, they check it, make sure it matches the invoice or the, the PO. Then the PO goes to the office. We get the invoice, we match it to the PO to make sure it's correct. A lot of times there's a, we didn't receive this. It's on the invoice, but we didn't receive it. So we're not paying that. And then we have to contact them and let them know. So many people are paying for things they don't ever receive. Uh, don't people notice this? That you haven't received something? It's, they say, okay, we didn't receive this but then they don't actually double check the invoice if the invoice comes in later. Like for instance, with this company, we don't get the invoice until days after. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. There are so many, when you have a seven figure business, you have so many moving parts at that point in time, especially when you have any type of product base. There are so many different moving parts that it is so easy to miss that or to just not even pay attention. You assume, you're assuming that the vendor went back and made the adjustment for you. No, probably not. I'll get a statement that says we owe $50,000 to the vendor and I'll look at it and I'll say, that was paid, that was paid, that was paid, that was paid. You deposited that on this date. It was deposited on this date. It was deposited on this date. And sure enough, it's whittled down to like the last few invoices but it hasn't been recorded in their system. If you work from home, if you are a remote worker, if you're a business worker and you work from home and you sometimes just wish you could get together with other people who work from home, you just wish you could get out of your house and just be around other people who are working as dedicated and focused as you are, but you get to be in the space of other fellow remote workers, you want to join the Coffee Shop Coworkers Facebook group. We are connecting people all over the country in coffee shops where you can go for free, meet other like-minded people to hang out, to work together, whether it's for two hours, whether it's for four hours, whether it's all day, but you get to connect with people like you who are working from home, who want to be around other people and still get work done and just create a new network. So come check out the Facebook page, join the Facebook page, Coffee Shop Coworkers today. 
so we can start connecting you to fellow future coworkers. Some people, when they're overwhelmed, especially in that instance, are just going to say, oh, here's a statement. Oh, it looks like we owe $50,000. Let me write a check. Because it's just easier to do that than to actually sit down and go through the statement. Gotcha. So is this where business owners mid six figures to seven figures, they have someone to do that initial check for them or are they needing to put eyes on this themselves? Is that what the bookkeeper is for? And then they run through the report as the owner or because that's a lot of bookkeepers are just doing the manual entry. They're not doing sort of the checks and balances. And that's kind of where I transitioned out of bookkeeping into accounting and then from accounting into coaching and mentoring because This is where a proper system and a proper structure prevents overpayment on invoices, paying for things that you never received, um, not receiving payment from customers that you thought you received payment for. That's another thing that's been a huge issue within QuickBooks is you can create a sales receipt where it automatically runs. a transaction if you're charging a customer every month like a subscription and it'll show up in the customer's account as paid and as run but it didn't actually get charged to their account okay right so then it's not paid exactly but you look at the customer in my account and it says it's paid because the sales receipt ran right you're missing out on money so it's these little tiny details in that backbone, in that structure and the the systems of your business that not only make sure that you bring in the money you're supposed to bring in, that you've charged out for, you've billed out for, but then you're not paying for things that you shouldn't have and not missing out on, you know, all of a sudden Zoom went from, you know, $10 a month to $15 a month. You know, subscriptions increase all the time and you might get an email, but you get thousands of emails a day as a, as a, you know, a seven figure business owner. You're not going to, you're going to see a zoom email. You're probably going to assume it's trash or bulk and you're just going to zip through them mm-hmm. and you're not going to see it. And before you know it, you're out hundreds, thousands when you consider all the different subscriptions. And so that's why sometimes auto pay is just not your friend. It's I'm just sorry. Bad. I, you've I made a good case. You have made a good case. So I can I can see how that would be a problem. So how do you coach? What do you do? What do you take your clients through to be able to have the capacity to look at, and we're just talking about the finances, um, but to look at finances, operating systems, team, do you need a team, hiring team, training team? Because it's a lot. How do you structure with your clients how to manage all of that so that they can scale. (laughs) So I actually have a process called the 8X process and it covers every different area of your business. And so I will take this process and I'll sit down and I'll go through every single thing. And we create, um, each business is different. Every single business is different in the way it runs, the way it, what it provides, all of that. And so 
the systems for each business are going to vary. And I think that's where a lot of uh, the coaching industry has just assumed that because it worked for me, it'll work for everyone else type thing. And it's going to be the same thing for everyone else. And it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, What worked for you may not work for me, may not work for Mary Jane down the street. And so it's about how do we take a, a skeleton of a process and make it work for you specifically in your business. So it's with these, a lot of times I see so many businesses that don't have something as simple as an employee handbook. Okay. And while it has like some of that information that you're like, is this necessary? Right. If it's not necessary, don't put it in there. But are you really as a seven figure business owner going to remember what holidays you paid your employees for and what holidays you didn't pay your employees for last year? Sure. Okay. So you have it. Do we pay down. for do we did we give Christmas Eve was Christmas Eve a half day last year? Did we give it off or was it a full work day? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did we uh ha- is it, does the employee get one week full vacation after their first year or is it they earn it over the first year and is it that they get a dump of hours of 40 hours once they hit their one year anniversary or is it that they start accruing hours after their first anniversary? All those tiny little things, you think you're going to remember them and you're not because there's so much going on in your business. Right. Even little things like having, I have like a new hire packet, have all of the paperwork put together. Your W4 that they have to fill out, an I-9 that they have to fill out, the handbook that they're going to get that has, you know, expectations and things like paid holidays and benefits if you're offering, you know, vision, dental, health. Um, 401k, any of that stuff is going to be in there when they start allowing, you know, when they're starting to be allowed to accrue it. How does it work if you get a warning of some sort or there's an issue where they just show keep showing up late to work, whatever the case is, mm-hmm. all of that should be in the handbook and they sign a document that says they've received the handbook and are responsible for everything in that handbook. Right. That should be part of your new hire packet. You should have all, you know, their direct deposit form and all of that should be kept together, whether it's digitally or paper, should be kept together in a file with the employee. When you give a review, the review should then be put in the file. When you have employees for 30 years, there's a lot that you need to consider and go back on. Um, And having that paperwork is going to save you you know, a big, huge headache of scrambling for what, what is it that I need to hire again? I mean, I have clients who have had employees for over 10 years, 15 years, and they're still calling me like, Hey, I'm a, I just got this last week. I'm hiring back an employee that had moved a couple of years ago. Um, He's moving back. And then, so I'm going to hire him back. How do I do that? Okay. Which I get it. I right. They're not their their area of expertise is water quality. It is not how to hire employees. 
right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I mean, other other types of things like, can I take a loan for my business? If so, how do I do that? What are the tax ramifications from it? Uh, it there are so many different things that I think people look past and they think they can just kind of sweep it under the rug or wing it. There's a lot of winging it. And you think, yes, the front end of my business, I've got, you know, running on a tight rope. It's like pristine, but the yeah. back end of their business is a complete and utter nightmare. And not, not that I fault them whatsoever, because that wasn't what they were ever taught. That's mm-hmm. not their area of expertise. But it does need to be, if you plan to scale seven figures, it absolutely has to be addressed. And it should be addressed in that four hundred to $500,000 income level. What you talk about with just the example you gave with the employee handbook and the examples you gave of what has to be in there, I would imagine most people probably have two or three employees and have not taken the time to create that. But you're so right because I heard it said, I don't remember which of my other coaches that was on that said it, but you should be planning for five years ahead in what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. Instead of at the beginning of the year or maybe before the beginning of the year, people will say, okay, so next year I want to do X, Y, and Z and I'm planning for my goal. Absolutely. Biggest mistake that so many business owners are making right now is being too short-sighted in their business. They think, you know, it's one of those things they're like, okay, how can I get to this point? And I'm going to focus on how am I going to do that now? What can I do now to get to that point within the next year? Well, it shouldn't be that it's because that's a very short sighted goal. Mm -hmm. It should be, okay, I want to reach seven figures in five years. I want to have five employees. I want to be at, you know, 3 million in income. And I want to be able to only be working three days a week, four hours a day. And this is how I want it to look. Okay, now let's reverse engineer that. Mm -hmm. How am I going to get there? And then you start looking at, okay, what is my goal for this year so that I can stay on track for the five year or the 10 year? I I usually like to keep it at a minimum of five years, preferably 10. Right. Because then your mindset is different when you're saying in your head, I don't have time for Lori's homework of creating an employee handbook now because you don't foresee having to add staff this year. But in five years, when you want to have those five employees, when you know that, okay, I am planning to hire or the hiring, I am planning to hire in the next six months, or I have somebody now, but I want to grow. I need to do this now in preparation for, so it's already in place. It can be so yeah. that's a that's a great example that you give. So with your business, though, we were talking about this before um, before we officially started the podcast for you guys. Um, yeah. You have built your business, and it's just you. Yes. How have you done that? Um, you know, it like I said, I I started. I got a bookkeeping certificate. It was supposed to take me six months. I did it in six weeks. I had a newborn on my hip. She was, you know, I started at, uh, I started in end of July. So she was seven months old when I started that. I did it in six weeks. I put up a Craigslist, Craigslist ad. I got one client. 
I continued to grow word of mouth. And for me, it was all about providing the highest quality. And when I, when I would go back to my clients, every once in a while, I would ask them, what can I do better? What is it that you would like me to provide that I'm not providing? And what is it that you feel I'm providing that I'm doing a good job at? You have to be willing to hear the hard stuff along with the good stuff. And, um, and so just over that process, and I think a lot of it had to do with also my reputation before I ever was a bookkeeper. I had a job as an apartment leasing um, coordinator, and that person ended up being on the board of directors for a nonprofit who I started working with in 2014, and I still work with them. Okay. The fact that I have clients, I still have my, not my first client, his wife, who was my second client. (laughs) I still work with her. Okay. I still work with her. I've had clients for 11 years. It is all in the quality of service that you provide and the willingness of you as the business owner to take the good with the bad and learn from all of it and continue to educate yourself. I ended up going back um, and pursuing an associate in accounting. I took all the accounting courses. I still am in touch with my accounting professor. He calls me OT. He doesn't even know my first name. He calls me OT, short for overthinker because I overthink everything. (laughs) I still talk to him on a weekly basis. I call him anytime I need to like talk something through with what's going on with one of my clients. Um, And just building those relationships and being able to have the right support. And like I said, continuing education, I am constantly learning and trying new things and offering new things, trying new approaches I know that my communication with one client needs to be different than communication with a different client. I had, you know, when I was dealing with, there are some clients who I can be very frank and honest and upfront with and just say, give me the credit cards, knock it off. You're being ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then there are some clients where you have to ask a question in an email and say, am I doing this? Yes or no. Mm. because writing a long explanation of why I think it should be done and how it's going to be done is too overwhelming for them. And they just don't, they glaze over and they move on. Okay. I know your client. Yeah. So I think definitely taking my business online really helped boost it because it opened my world to, you know, a much, much larger opportunity of, and, and a larger pool of people to work with. Um, but I had scaled six figures prior to that. And again, just offering quality that people heard of me via word of mouth and being able to grow that way. Did you raise your prices as your clientele grew? Yep. Yep. So I started my very first client. I was working for $25 an hour. Okay. Which is now, nothing to sneeze at, but I'm no, sure it's it, not. 
it, it's not. And I mean, at that time it was like maybe $250 a, a month max. Yeah. Um, and so as I, as once I went back in for my accounting degree, mm-hmm. that was when I was like, okay, I'm offering way more now than just basic data entry into a bookkeeping software. Yeah. <laughs> I need to start charging as such. And so, yes. Yeah, so I had, at that point I doubled my prices. Um, and then there are some clients where the scope is large. I'm managing, I'm creating and managing their, their whole back end of their business. And so at that point, it's a monthly contract rate based on, I'll give you this amount of time. This is what I'm going to do. And sure. yeah, so the prices have definitely gone up um, over the time. But I mean, again, 11 years worth of experience. I've had dozens and dozens of businesses scale, probably hundreds of businesses that have scaled anywhere. Some of them have started, they were just starting and they were $40,000 and they scaled seven figures within 18 months of working with me. And then I had some businesses who were 300,000 that scaled seven figures in six months of working with me. So it depends on where your starting point is, but also how much you're willing to listen and really create and implement and invest in that backbone of your business. Yeah. So with your scaling, with what you're doing with your clients, because you're working with the money, the operations, the systems, the teams, I would think when when I hear you've scaled, you've helped a, a business scale from 300 to seven figures, 300,000 to seven figures in under a year that we're talking about marketing, we're talking about increase in sales, but no, yes. What, how are you doing that? So me, I'm not a... focused. So when you said marketing, I'm thinking, well, I'm not focusing anything on marketing. However, they were able to hire a marketing coordinator. Okay. I gotcha. The people you hire at the time you hire them is very important. So you don't want to be a one person show and hire an executive assistant. Gotcha. You want to hire somebody that's going to add to your services. They're going to add another level of possibility to your income. An executive assistant, yes, they're taking things off your plate that gives you more time, but I guarantee you're not going to want to use that time to do more work. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> you know, you may gain back 10 hours a week, but then you're like, oh, but my favorite show. Now I have time to wait, watch my favorite show. Or even just little things like now I can catch up on social media. Or yeah, you may end up finding another client to work with. Mm-hmm. But unless you have the most ridiculous list of, a waiting list of people wanting to work with you. You need to add something that is different or more than the services you're providing. Mm. Okay. So within your first few hires. Yeah. That makes sense. Now putting together what you just said versus when you were talking about the operating system that you helped the company put together that was taking somebody 30 minutes to do that should have taken five that now probably doesn't take them any time because it's all automated. 
So that that makes sense because if you if you're going in and helping businesses to realize, okay, so you need to add, like we talked about, you need to add a marketing person. So now that person who should be good at that, because you're hiring for that purpose, can 10x your marketing efforts to draw in more clients. So that frees up the time that you were doing the marketing and it brings in more business. Now you also had an operating system that you added that automates clients coming in, response to clients and all that process. So now you can service more clients more efficiently. Therefore you can scale. And you're going to retain, you're going to retain more clients as well. Okay. They're going to be more, um, they're going to be happier with what they're, their, the service they're providing, you can never over communicate with a customer. So the more you, more touch points you have with customers, the better. And all of that can be automated. So once you have that set up, they don't have a clue. They think they're getting a direct email from the CEO saying, we really appreciate your business. Um, you know, especially if you can add like one little personalized line you just have your marketing director go in and add one personalized line. How did you like your install of XYZ? Mm-hmm. We noticed that something very particular. We loved meeting your dog today. Your dog named Charlie. Yeah. Was so cute. We can't wait to see you and him again. Right. Do you know how far that goes? I believe it. A hundred. I, I do because I'm a consumer. So yes. Makes right. you feel really like, good. Exactly. Like, oh, wow. They actually paid attention. They actually cared. That is becoming so much more scarce, unfortunately, but it is an opportunity that we can all take to make sure we're not the ones not doing it. Because it is, because everybody, I won't say everybody, but automation is so normal nowadays that it's almost expected. Okay. If I get a response, great. I know if I send you something and I get a response in a timely manner, great. I do know that you have systems set up. So I do know that you're efficient, but I don't know that you know me. And so if you, if people feel like, oh, you know me. Yeah. That's a game changer. Absolutely. 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 And then if you can add even little things like certain, um, I want to say active campaign and some other types of uh, mar- email marketing systems have like a text feature, getting a direct text message saying like, how was your, how was your service today? And if you vote and it, it, you know, if they weren't happy with their service, maybe they get a call from an actual person in your office saying, what happened? What can we do to make it right? You know, we want to, we want to know. That's good. Okay. All right. So you've grown because you provide amazing quality. The fact that you still have clients from almost 11 years of just starting the business is pretty impressive. And I think that that's something that people often overlook. Quality and work is so important. But I can't, Lori. You couldn't have built, you might have, but you couldn't have built all of your business up until you went online three years ago just by word of mouth. Surely you took out an ad or did a commercial, something. I did one Craigslist ad. Amazing. I did one Craigslist ad right when I finished my, my bookkeeping certificate. Um, I posted one time on Facebook about that was probably in 2015. 
I posted one time and I had somebody who I had gone to high school with who was like, Hey, I saw that you do bookkeeping. Um, our, our CFO just resigned out of nowhere and we're scrambling because it's our busy season Mm -hmm. and we don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, again, I, my reputation from high school, I mean, it's those little things that you don't realize add up. You never know. I mean, I, I had, I'm trying to think like I'll have, I've had people that I went to school with or people that I worked for or worked with years and years ago in an entirely different industry. Call me and be like, Hey, are you still doing this? My friend's friend owns a business and really needs somebody to help them. Okay. Okay. So that's impressive and speaks a lot about the importance of reputation. But how did they know what you were doing? Like how, like the example you just gave, how did they know you moved into bookkeeping to, to know that they needed to call you? Was it on your social media page? Was it on like your house on the front door? Did you have, how did they know? <laughs> Um, I mean, I had a Facebook page Yeah, that was linked on my profile. I never really posted anything on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you're looking for me to say that I paid for something and I didn't. No, no, no. Um, you don't have to. But I, I, <laughs> I think it's great though, that people it, here let your reputation be so good that people will just tell people about what you do. And that's the thing, like I have, and I have to say, like, I'm so proud of my clients because I have, and I think it's interesting and I, by no means am taking this as my own win, but within a year of working with at least 10, 10, I want to say one client got best salon in Colorado. She won, um, the best extension specialist for the entire brand that she now represents. I have another client who consistently every year now gets voted as the best water quality provider in the state. Um, The best dance studio in the state voted on by their customers. Oh, wow. So this is all customers saying, I approve I appreciate I love the quality you're providing I'm willing to vote for you to say that you are the best best real estate brokerage it's best roofing company like uh, it could very well be coincidental I am not by like I said I am not taking these wins as my own but that quality is everything yeah well, and I think your, because of, as you've talked about, your reputation is what has caused people to continue to refer you to other people. Then it sounds as though the people who have gotten best in their business, I'm sure are amazing, but like attracts to like. And so because of how you work and your quality, it has now rubbed off, co-mingled with them, which then results in they're getting these accolades for their business. So I think you right. have a, a very strong influence on that. Do you ask for, like when you get referrals, do you ask or do you share with your clients, especially like a new one, if you, after they've seen how you work, do you ask them or plant that seed to say, you know, if you know somebody, please feel free to refer me. 
or does it, it just happens organically? That just happens organically. Beautiful. Okay. So then now I'm curious what you had to change when you moved online or what you did change when you moved online. <laughs> that was a whole other ball game. And it is such a learning experience because online business is just so different from in-person business. The way it's approached, the way it's, um, the way it operates mm-hmm. is very different. And I'm, I hesitate to say this because I don't want it to come out the wrong way, but I feel like too many people feel like anyone can run a business and they just think (laughs) there's a lot of, I can just hire somebody to do that. And they hire a 1099 contractor and they think they're all set and good. Um, but they could be hiring for something that legally is an employee position. There's a lot of misinformation in the online space. I think that's what I'm getting at. There's a lot of misinformation in the online space. Um, and so there are a lot of people running their businesses, breaking laws. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going again. They're just breaking the law. They're breaking laws. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that there were positions that have to be employee position and can't be 1099. It's based on what the expectations are and what what it is they're providing. So if you're hiring somebody to do your your Facebook ads and they're putting out Facebook ads for you on a weekly basis and you want, you say, I need you to work every Monday to get these ads prepared for the week. I want them posted on Tuesday. I need you to post them on this place, this place, and this place. I want you to use Canva to create them. That's an employee. Because you're giving them the how. You're giving them the the how, the the timeline, the um, times that they work, and the consistency So if you think of it this way, if a contractor is somebody who is on a contract, typically speaking outside of business, when you think of I'm hiring a contractor, let's talk about a home contractor. You're hiring them for a project Mm -hmm. that has an end date. It's a project they start, they work on, and they finish. When you hire a contractor in business, it should be the same thing. Okay. So I have heard of contractors, let's say for like government contractors or companies who want to pull in contract workers to do work, but those contract workers are, let's say it's IT and you've got a project that you're launching a new system new operating system or you've got to update something. So you need, you don't want to hire these individuals, but you pull them in as mm-hmm. contract workers for three months. But they're expected to come in the same nine to five as the team that's an employee is working so that they can work together. Are you saying that would be illegal and they need to be a W-2 employee? They're a multi-billion dollar companies doing this. I know. 
you cannot dictate the hours that a contractor works. If you, you can look it up right on the IRS website. You cannot dictate the hours that they work. You cannot dictate the software that they work on. And you cannot dictate that, um, or I should say they should have an end date. Otherwise, they are considered an employee. And if you are not paying taxes, so you could hire a contractor and withhold money from them from their pay to pay in estimated taxes, that would be fine. But I'm going to guess that most of them are not doing that. And the IRS, should they pick up on it, would not only hold the, the company responsible for back employee taxes, but then they're going to get hit with penalties and interest on that as well. So contractors should be able to work basically whenever they want to, as long as they get the project done in the timeline that's in the time. Correct. That, that's a whole nother subject we could go down Lori don't get me distracted because I could have a whole lot of questions okay (laughs) so you said when you switched to online um what did did you hire somebody to help you with it because like you said it was a whole other beast for you or did you dive in yourself and say I need to put effort into whatever it is that you did online with your business what'd you do I dove in head first but then I did hire coaches and I've hired, I've made good hires. I've made bad hires. Um, I learned that I needed to grow and do some, some work on myself in order to be able to develop as a business. And so I did do that type of work. I worked on marketing and understanding, um, you know, the marketing side, because marketing is very much my weak point. Which is why I you haven't had to do it by word of mouth because I don't I'm not right. very good at marketing. I'm totally okay with saying that. Hey. Um, and um, yeah, and then I hired coaches, not so much to ever help me build out an offer, um, but to help me understand who I was marketing to in in the in person aside, you know, outside of the online in person, I don't need to say I am specific to only the construction business. When I have this niche that I I only work for construction businesses that reside in New Hampshire and provide kitchens only. And when I came into the online space, I was like, niche down, niche down, niche down, niche down. And you have to be talking very specifically to one particular person. And I'm like, why? I never had to before. I never, I don't really want to. I love learning different industries and how they work and what makes them tick and, you know, the industry standards that go along with each of them. Um, And so, yeah, that was really hard for me to grasp. And I still refuse to uh, limit myself. Um, I will say that, again, as I said earlier, I'm mainly service-based. That's just because that's the majority of clients I've worked with before. Um, I don't love product-based because of the inventory part of it. It's boring to me. Gotcha. Fair <laughs> um, enough. But when we're talking about producing systems and operations and team on the back end, then it becomes less of an issue for gotcha. me. Yeah. So you mentioned offer and launch. 
did you create an offer once you started um, working online? Yeah, so I created I created multiple offers. Um, it started with a a personal budgeting system, just because I had a bunch of people asking me for a budgeting system. So I created a personal budgeting system, and then I realized, you know, I really don't want to be talking about a personal budget system twenty four seven online. Like that's very boring, very um, blah to me. And so I said, you know, and I I still have that somewhere or some I don't even know um it's still there it still exists I still have people using it um but it it kind of I went back to my accounting roots and I offered a course on how to use QuickBooks in your business and I would work with each business one-to-one because I didn't feel like it was something that I could just create a course that anybody can walk through Mm -hmm. Um, so I did that and then I, it it took me a while of doing a lot of inner work to realize I had so much more to offer and I knew so much more than I was giving myself credit for, um, that, and I realized it took me a long time to realize that what I'm, what I've been doing for my clients is so much more than just bookkeeping and accounting because I have been working on their systems and creating efficiency and building their teams and all of that. So I did create, um, it was originally called the empowered employer, um, hub. Yes. The Mm -hmm. empowered employer hub, which is now going to be, um, the, um, I renamed it, but I don't remember what. Okay. (laughs) It's an academy. It's essentially an academy that walks you through step-by-step. And this is just, the very black and white of hiring employees, signing up for electronic tax filing systems, signing up with your state to become an employer, getting an employer ID if you don't already have one, how to apply for an LLC if you don't have one already, um, what paperwork and documents you need, what you're responsible for tax-wise, how you file your quarterly reports, and your annual reports, what softwares I recommend using, uh, and then actually created a a new hire packet that has all of the paperwork you should have, um, a handbook template, um, a template for uh, a non-compete if your state allows for that, uh, a non-disclosure agreement, all of those things that uh, a COVID, (laughs) COVID COVID-19, Mm-hmm. From back when, you know, that was an issue. What What is your policy with COVID-19? All of those things are included within that um, academy. So it's something that you get lifetime access to. So people will, that have, have signed up, continue to go in and grab what they need. That's good. So, uh- okay, I know if I can't locate where my hiring packets are, or I ran out of them, I can just go into the academy. I have access to all of it right there. That's so good. That's so good because especially people starting businesses, one, you don't know what you don't know. And then two, finding the resources that, okay, this is supposed to go with this or I'm so, yeah, that's super helpful. So I'm sure the, the academy is already up. You just renamed it. We'll have, we'll be able to link that in the show notes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Perfect. 
Okay, we're getting close to time. This always happens because I have so many more questions than I have time. <laughs> um, but before we get to the wrap up, um, I do want to ask you for coaches that are listening or business owners that are listening, um, as you made that, that as you scaled into the online world, um, what's, and you, as you said, you're, you're still learning. What's one thing that you do that you didn't delegate out or haven't delegated out, but one thing that you do or that you would recommend that people trying to make the online world work for them in their business do to actually get some traction and some ROI on that, that time and investment. Hey, quick note. I need your help. I am trying to get my Instagram account to my first 1000 followers. If you have not followed me at the connection collaborator on Instagram, do so today. And also I want to get to a thousand subscribers in my first 90 days of the coach up podcast. So if you have not subscribed or you've not shared this podcast with somebody do that now, thank you for your help in growing this audience and sharing the coach up podcast with more people. I would say (laughs) it's actually going to sound counterintuitive. I would say it's all about time management and giving yourself the opportunity to have downtime. I have so much more engagement and I'm able to give so much more in my presence online when I have rested and filled my own cup. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean sitting on the couch for weeks at a time, but listening to my body and what I need in order to show up fully. Because for the first year and a half, two years, I would consistently push through, push through, push through. And I kept burning myself out to the point of illness. Mm -hmm. And then I would end up have it like being forced to take time off. And then I felt like I was starting over from scratch. And I, I, one good thing that came from that is learning what I didn't want. Right. So I had to learn those lessons, but I think really listening and setting, like I have my focuses on my iPhone turned on. So I have work focus turned on. So I don't get notifications from Instagram. I don't get notifications from my personal email from 10 AM to 3 PM. That's my time to focus on my computer. I only get um, text messages from my daughter, my husband, my mom, and my sister. Those are the only text messages I allow through. My clients' emails will come to me. I will check on the work focus like every once in a while. But having those little things, and those are little systems as well mm-hmm. that you can have set up to make you more efficient in your time, which then allows you to not overwork yourself. And to be able to show up 100% and give 100% because I swear people can read your energy through a post. Okay. Fair (laughs) enough. You're probably right. I think you're probably right. And so that's a really good, that's a good tip um, because social media, the online world, which is 
comprise a lot of social media. As some people may be thinking email lists include online and that's, it is online. Um, but even then, like people can probably get a sense of how you're feeling when you compose an email, that stuff comes through. But um, social media is about engagement, right? It's not just about putting up a post and not replying to comments or sending a message to somebody, replying when messages are sent to you. It is engaging. And so you do have, that does take energy um, versus just making a reel or a Facebook post. So much energy because I am a very introverted person. I don't, if you get me on a topic that I like, I can talk for hours, <laughs> clearly. Um, but just having sort of like that small talk and making taking that first step to reach out to somebody is very uncomfortable for me. Again, another reason why <laughs> I never really advertised myself or marketed myself. Um, and so that was probably and still is the hardest thing for me is to show up. And, and it does take a lot of my energy to not just show up, but then to engage with people. But like I said before, those relationships that I have built have built my reputation. Yeah. And that is what my business relies on. And so it's everything, you know, those relationships are everything. Yeah. Do you, are you more on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, and any of them? One, 100% One. Instagram. <laughs> okay. Instagram completely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. And then, um, did you, did you create, did you already have an Instagram account or did you have to start one? I, I had an Instagram account. I turned it into a business account. I grew it to over 2000 followers and then I abandoned it <laughs> in October. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and started from scratch because I found that I had tons of friends and family following me. Mm. And, but, and I, I mean, I say tons, that was like 300. Yeah. And then, but I had attracted so many of the, of misaligned clients. Mm -hmm. I was struggling to kind of break through that. And I said, you know what? I would so much rather just start over from scratch than have to try to weed through and, and deal with this mess. Hey. <laughs> so I did, I started a brand new account in October. <laughs> in October? Nice. Good for you. Good for you that you made that decision and said, okay, this is not the market, the, the audience that I want. And you're, you're starting over. It's okay to do that. That's a beautiful thing. And so do you, when it comes to online, do you focus more on your social media or more on your email list? Or do you have an email list? My email list is like, ilch. <laughs> I've done things to build my email list, but honestly... <laughs> I find that so much more time consuming and overwhelming than I do social media. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's social media, social yeah. media all the way. This is what I enjoy getting to talk to different coaches. The fact that all of you guys, you're on this podcast, you're at six figures or seven figures, and it can be done in so many different ways. So I really appreciate the fact that, as you said, up until five years ago, and I know it's still continuing now, 
but you placed one ad and you have built a six figure business, right? And it's because of your, the quality of work you do and your reputation. That can be how businesses are built. People start, if your work is good and your reputation matches your work, start with your friends and family. They will refer you or ask them to, and the business can go. Cause that's what we, we trust referrals more than anything. Right. And 100%. So, right. So it's an amazing, amazing way to grow your business. So I love that about that. Okay. I'm down to the last few minutes. Lori, we got to do your, before you go, quick fire round of questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> okay. First question. Number one tool, one tool that you would not do business without today. Or app. QuickBooks. QuickBooks. <laughs> How do how do how do online, I though. QuickBooks online? QuickBooks online. Okay. And that is controversial because a lot of people, a lot of CPAs will not recommend online. So oh, as opposed to desktop? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So QuickBooks online. Okay. All right. Um, what tool do you use to collect client payments? Stripe. Right. Excellent. I thought you were going to say QuickBooks. Stripe. Okay. I do. I do do QuickBooks as well, but Stripe is like my main, my main payment platform. Cool. Okay. We've talked about number, um, this one, most effective method for finding and securing new clients. Reputation leads to referrals. We got yes. that. <laughs> um, okay. What tool do you use to set up client meetings? Uh, Calendly. Okay. All right. That seems to be a popular one. And then Lori, one thing you attribute the most weight to in scaling your business to six figures. My reputation. A good one. I like it. I like it. Straight <laughs> I like it because it's straightforward and simple and that's something you can control, right? There's a lot of stuff. It is. It's something you can control and it, it makes or breaks you. I really, truly believe that. I think that little extra time and effort that you put into, you know, your clients at the beginning and throughout it, it really makes such a big difference. Yes. Last question. What one book or podcast would you recommend as a must to consume? Ooh, um, how to fix your life in 30 days. Wicked random. It is a book that completely changed my life. Really? Yeah. And that was like when I was 21, but it is the only book that I would say has completely changed my life. How to change your life in 30 days. Yeah. By who? Uh, Rhonda Britton and Ayan Levinzant. Oh, okay. So I know Ayan. Yeah. Yeah. The second one, Yanla. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. Right, okay, real quick. One thing in there that just really had an impact on you. It was actually almost like a workbook. It really had me digging into who I was, what I wanted, why I wanted it, um, and it made me look at, um, look at myself in a positive way and find things about myself that I loved. And it reframed, you know, we're all so hard on ourselves. We can be our biggest cheerleaders and our biggest critics. And so it allowed me to 
reframe how I looked at myself. Okay. How to change your life in 30 days. Uh, thank you. That is not one I'd heard. So okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm figured it wouldn't be. It's not a <laughs> not a popular book. But powerful. So it is Very worth powerful. it. Yes. Yeah. Lori, tell people how they can find you and connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is lauriespillane.com, L-O-R-I-S-P-I-L-L-A-N-E.com. My, I am on Instagram at theempowered.ceo. And then you can also find me on Facebook, although I don't do a whole lot of business on there, um, just under Lori Spillane. Uh, I am on LinkedIn and TikTok as well. But again, my business stuff is all on Instagram. Perfect. Lori, thank you for this time. It has been great talking with you. It's been great to get a better understanding of how the backside of the business can really make a difference on the scaling ultimately of the business, but then translate to the front side of, like we talked about sales and marketing that pull in the money, but you got to have the back end tight. And so I think it's really cool what you do. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed being on here today. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Coach Up Podcast. Remember, if you have not liked and subscribed, make sure you do that. Also, be sure to connect with Lori. If you want to take your business from six figures to seven figures, she is the one to help you do so. So be sure to follow her, connect with her. All of that information is in the show notes. And remember, I am working to get this show out. So if you have not shared this episode with somebody, Take a second to do that now and be sure to like and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. As always, it is a pleasure to be with you and I'll see you on the next episode of the Coach Up Podcast. <music>